I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to Work It, the podcast all about entrepreneurship, hosted by me, journalist Angelica Malin, in collaboration with WorkLife. In season two of Work It, I'm chatting to some of the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the UK, from e-commerce wizards to retail experts, all about their secret recipe for success. If you don't already know, WorkLife has eight amazing co-working spaces across the UK, which provide a unique workspace experience designed around you and your team's happiness. They also have delicious free snacks, which I can personally vouch for. Don't forget to follow at work.life to find out more about WorkLife spaces and book in a free trial day at work.life. On this week's episode, I'm talking to Hub Van Brockel, who is the founder of Tenzing, one of the UK's leading energy drinks company. We talk about how to create a business that stands out in a packed industry and how to create something that consumers really love. I'm joined this week by Hub Van Brockel, founder of Tenzing. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Tenzing for our listeners? Yes, yeah, so Tenzing is a 100% plant-based uh, energizing drink so we were looking to have an actual alternative to the current kind of artificial energy drinks and really create something new and different uh, and you know the, the premise about it was to create something that was purely made from plants and also where we massively reduce the sugar so we ended up reducing about 55% of the sugar um, and to a, to a regular energy drink yes exactly or even a coke I mean ex- effectively they're all on the same levels of sugar mm. they've all copied each other and yes. how did the idea come about for the company um, so um, I, I always wanted to do this. Uh, so that's where my starting point was, plant-based, low sugar. And then I was actually traveling and I, um, I bumped into what the Sherpas drink. So the, the Himalayan Sherpas, they uh, are best known for helping people to, to scale Mount Everest. Um, and they drink two drinks, actually, two drink, really strong teas, a strong tea with salt and also like a lemon tea. And then I, I, I was there and I spoke to, I had a doctor help me out with the whole recipe and I phoned him. I said, is this a traditional thing or does it actually make sense? And he said, no, it makes a lot of sense because it's kind of a, you know, that triple hit of natural caffeine, electrolytes and vitamin C. So, and that was something new that wasn't around uh, uh, at, at the time and still isn't. Um, and then I thought, wow, that's an amazing kind of basis for our recipe. Wow. Uh, and where were you when you discovered it? I was actually in Bali. So I was talking to someone who just came from Nepal, um, and then I immediately, literally on the same day, he told me this. I I, I got in contact with my the nutritional doctor, and then on that same day, I, I decided to call it Tenzing. 
because Tenzing is, is the, was the first man on Mount Everest still, Edmund Hillary. His name mm. is Sherpa Tenzing Norgay. And I just love the name immediately because um, Zing is energy. Mm. Uh, he's also relatively not not that well known, which I like because again, it's you know he's such he was like one of the classic most humble hero you could imagine. Essentially, someone who literally saw that mountain thought I wouldn't be the first one up there. He was a yak herder at the time, um, and then uh, so and then I actually I had it registered, so I had it trademarked. In, uh, and then I asked my trademark lawyer, I like, do I need their permission, right? Because he'd passed away. Um, do I need the family's permission? And they actually said, no, you don't need the permission because Tenzing in Nepal is like John. Mm. You know, so a lot of people are called Tenzing. Uh, but obviously for me, it didn't feel right. Um, so I, got, I managed to find them. And then my whole family met, ended, up, ended up meeting their whole family. Wow. And now we were very closely together, actually. That's so nice. Yeah, and we're actually available even next to the UK. Our second country is Nepal. So we're available all the way up to uh, Mount Everest. There's all these little stalls. Have you ever, have you ever been? No, I haven't. So, you know, you, you, all, all the way up to base camp after that, obviously they stop. But there's like little, you know, like you have in, when mm. you go skiing or whatever. Yeah. There's little huts, essentially, where you could eat and have drinks. And we're available all the way there. Like Ben Fogel, for instance. Yeah. He, he went up Mount Everest. And he saw us there and he contacted us. Oh, I love your brand. Could I be involved in some way? So wow. it's like a beautiful way for us as well. That's a genuine, you know, where it came from and kind of, you know, now that it's there. So, yeah, it's a great, uh, it's a great story. And I, I kind of speak to the family kind of at least once a month. Uh, yeah, so they're very kind of heavily involved. That's amazing. Yeah. It sounds like you had a real instant connection to the product, well, the idea for the product and the name and everything. It all sounds like it just kind of came together. It really came together because... Um, you know, when you've got a rough idea, I knew before that, I knew I just wanted plants, healthy and low sugar. That's kind of, you know, what what do I find? Mm. Uh, but instead of kind of going, like, you know, looking at every ingredient that are in current energy drinks and trying to have a healthier alternative, I just, I just got inspired by this whole new way of looking at it. Um, and then that kind of inspired the name as well and the kind of there for the story. And yeah, no, it was amazing. It was really like, because, well, you know how it is, right? When you start a business, it's all... Uh, clouded in doubt, mm. you know, from mm. a distance, maybe you're looks, kind of looking for a sign. You, you want look something. for sign. You look mm. for things, like especially names. Yeah, I mean, a name for a drink. Mm. You know, so, like this isn't this is a like a you know, it, it's in the same category as all beers, as all like, juices, soft drinks, energizers, everything. Mm. You know, so and then I wanted to do in the US and, the, and Europe. So imagine the amount of names that have been taken. I always thought about my kids when they started business. How on earth can you come up with a name? You know, so, and then somehow this name, I loved it immediately and it was still available. And, available. and I was like, wow, it did all come together. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. And you know, it was one of those moments where you really know this yeah. is good. This when is I was trying I to come up with a name for about time, I was, I was with my best friend for like weeks and we were trying to come up with a name together. She was helping me out. We couldn't get anything. But she was like, oh, it's just about time we came up with something. Yeah. And I was like, about time, there it is. And yeah. it, was in, it was in what she was saying. And it, yeah. you need that moment, don't you, of yeah, clarity? Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Had you done anything entrepreneurial prior to launching Tenzing? Um, so no, well, I'd done, I'd always, worked kind of um, in business so I kind of started at uh, Unilever a long time ago and then I was at MTV and I had Red Bull I worked for Red Bull for a long time mm-hmm. um, but I actually started one business before which was um, in socks so I said they want to start a fashion company might as well start at the bottom <laughs> and it was really actually really quite a nice company it was kind of before ha- you know Happy Socks yeah it was actually a year before them and uh, it was actually at the time when I was a bit bored of what, in my job um, and and we created a really cool brand. It's called Dr. Finkelbaum. And it was all, it was actually, it was in kind of, I think, 2003 or something, 2004. And the internet was just becoming like 
a thing, um, an online sales. We were selling online, and you could get like a prescription from the doctor. So you do like this a psychological test. That's so uh, this is a really random test that actually had nothing to do with the reality. But then <laughs> some, a sock would be like, uh, you know, this is the sock that you need in your life, mm. and the doctor it, it would be prescribed to you. And you had we had nice little packaging, like wear one stays daily with clothes, and you know don't wear while showering. You know, there's all these warning signs on it. It was really funny actually. Um, but actually, I, I started it while I was at Unilever when I was. A bit bored there, but then I moved to MTV, and we even won like an MTV prize. We were on the main catwalk in uh, in the Netherlands, wow. um, and then um, that actually moved to Red Bull. And I loved my job at the time so much there that I just thought, well, you know, we can't. And I also you it, just focused on on that. I focused on my on my job, and I, I learned a lot from it. Mm. So the key things I learned from it that's actually easier to launch a business than everyone thinks, mm. right? You know, I think people stop to. Uh, they think, oh, where am I going to start? You know, I know I had no experience. We sourced, we had a designer, we sourced some really quality socks from Italy. And the whole process is actually relatively easy. Mm. Obviously, the real process comes making it a success, you know. Mm. Um, so that taught me that, that actually, if you just go out and do it, it's very possible. But secondly, it taught me um, you have to love what you do mm. because I didn't, you know, it was me and my wife actually launched it together and we were just the two of us before we had kids and we were like oh let's go to the movies and oh no, let's check online if we've got some uh, you know orders in and like oh no we've got orders in you know we pack it in the sock because at the time you know, now you've got all these fulfillment agencies mm. that you can go even but if you sell nothing exist. there was no fulfillment agencies at the time you had to have like at least 20,000 orders a month for a fulfillment agency to come in or whatever you know so that, that it was really like the beginning time of the internet uh, in the kind of the online selling stuff um, so I, so it, I wasn't really fun. And at the end of the day, the socks idea was like it's just a funny kind of quirky thing, but mm. like to you know work on a, on a But it was basis. probably useful because it probably it just taught useful. you business lessons and yeah, it was a yeah, good yeah. trial of a running lot. a company. Yeah, exactly. And also, I also I also felt that if you want to be successful, and two other things, you have to know the business at least a bit. And I didn't really know online that well. I didn't know kind of fashion at all. Uh, so obviously I took that into this kind of, and I knew the industry well, I knew the market well. Mm. Uh, and then the lastly, you have to kind of go all in. I kind of did it next to the job. Mm. And, you know, it doesn't really work that way. You I have think. to be able to commit to it. You have to commit to it. And I don't mean by committing that you have to give up everything. I think it is actually important to kind of, I had like a source of income when I started attending as well. Mm. So it is actually important to try and find an extra source of income, but that you kind of somehow mentally totally commit to a project. And I mm. never really did that with that first one. Mm. You didn't go so I definitely learned a lot from it, yeah. And with Tenzing, so you had this idea for the product. How did you go about actually creating it and, and the packaging and everything? How did the product come to life? Um, yeah, so then, you know, what's also really interesting, I think, when you, so when you work for a big company, um, you do not need a network. Right, I can. I always. I used. To, I was head of marketing for Red Bull Europe and UK, and I could just, you know, whatever. If I wanted a meeting with someone, I could ask my assistant and say, "Could you get a meeting with that person?" And I'd be in the office in a week. Mm. Now, obviously, I no longer have an assistant, mm. and it's also you know you cannot get a meeting with anyone. Mm. It's one of the most kind of emotionally tough things of going from a job with with a big brand um, to starting for yourself. Because I, you always know when you're at a big brand like that and you've got, especially, you've got, why did people like me so much? It's because I had massive budgets, you know. Mm. <laughs> they go, oh, my God, I could get a bit of that budget potentially or that's a great brand I could be associated with. If that falls, it's not that because they like me per se. You know, it's like an added bonus that I'm maybe a nice guy, you know. <laughs> but it's not per se that they want to meet me because of me, right? They want to mm. meet you because, you Because the job title. Because the job and, title yeah. and kind of the, the, the benefits that can be in it for them. It's very transactional, actually. You realize that when you leave. Because 
you know, and, and I'm not going to lie, that is emotionally was tough. Mm, mm. Uh, although I knew this, I was like mentally aware of that fact. If you actually experience it, it's tough. So I remember right in the beginning, I went to um, um, one of those moments where I went to, uh, we wanted to get into like into Selfridges at the time. Um, and, and, and I heard, and now we're there and it's amazing. And then we do really, really well there. But at the beginning, I, they didn't kind of reply to my emails mm. or said no, which I understand. But then I, th- I heard that, you know, if you go there, they have to come down. Mm. So this is kind of selfish rule. They always they're really respectful to their and then that went down and and, and I, was, I was there and he came down and it was like December time it was cold and rainy and he said look I, I really I'm not interested you know and I, just, I went outside and I was literally crying I was like oh my god why did I do this you know it's like felt so humiliating at the time it's not humiliating it's not, that wasn't the point it was more like is it ever going to work mm. you know it, and the fact that yeah it's, it's, it is a different level to how people speak to you it is true so mm. that is that it's different and then so coming back to your question of when how did you how do I go yeah, about how did you create it is that you know when, when you um, when you're at a becoming you don't need a network mm. right I never actually ever did anything on LinkedIn. I never, you know, replied to anyone because you because you've got the budgets and you've got the brand and you've got the people in the team, right? But when you start for yourself, you just need a network. So that's where I started. I just started, you know, that seven handshake principle mm-hmm. where you know everyone in the world and seven handshakes away. Mm-hmm. And I just met someone that I thought would could help with the, you know, product. Mm-hmm. And the guy, actually, the doctor I was mentioning before, I found him on LinkedIn. I mm-hmm. saw, I, I saw he had an amazing profile. He's a doctor, nutritional doctor. I just reached out to him and he helped me just for free as well. He loved it. He loved the, the concept really? and he wow. kind of helped me out. And then also, you know, developing then the actual getting the ingredients aboard. It was all through a friend of a friend of a friend. And um, you kind of brought everyone together. And how, yeah. how long did that process take? And the, the, the development of the product and brand and everything was about, I don't know, about eight, nine months, I would say. Um, and... And so we, relatively quick. Relatively quick. And that was also really the, the, the concept is like that kind of lean startup principle, mm. you know, that it's very, very common in the digital world where you basically launch your site, see, get feedback and change it along the way. Uh, I really believe in that principle as well. So if you see our first can designs, it looks nothing like our current one. Mm-hmm. So we, we really went to market uh, and, and, and changed, you know, while on the market, got real time feedback. Also, because you don't have huge marketing you mm. know, or market research budgets. You know, again, a big companies they'd spend hundred thousand pounds on kind of checking and do quality of research, quantitative research, in-house research where they put the product in the house and the fridge and people like drink it and stuff. Obviously you have no money for that. So mm. the best way to test is I mean have an idea, I think, that the basic concept can work. Mm. Right? You obviously know so my ba- my two basic premises were do people need energy? Will they need energy in the future? Yes. You know, that's mm. not going anywhere. Mm. Uh, probably get more, you know, with their busy lifestyles and all of this constantly connected, all that stuff. Secondly, is there a trend towards more plant-based ingredients and more health? Mm. Yes, that's there, right? So I think the basic two trends... Yeah, weren't going anywhere. Weren't going anywhere. So, And then it's about how to capture those in the best possible way. And that's why I think it's best to go on market, see if people, if, if people understand and, uh, and change along the way. And what was the response when you launched the product? Uh, so um, my, my main challenge and our main challenge at Tenzing is communicating those two things mm-hmm. because essentially energy drinks and unhealthy mm-hmm. are, you know, married. They've got a bad association. Yeah, they're, well, a very strong association. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so they're all associated with each other. Like, mm-hmm. Energy drinks, bad for you. So we're saying, you know, we've got a drink here it's not an energy drink because it has totally different ingredients, but it gives you energy, gives you an uplift. 
and it's good for you. It's healthy. It's plant-based. So those two people are just you know, people can't get that. And that that and 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 it's also always I always find it the easier you can communicate your concept, the better. And for us, that is a, definitely a challenge to communicate those at the same time. So the beginning, for instance, my packaging was I was worried uh, that if we would overemphasize the health too much people wouldn't think it worked mm. uh, so I, I did my first packaging was too much energy and I slowly made it more towards kind of you know health and that kind more of more towards the natural side yeah exactly so that, that's been a shift mm. uh, in our like what, what, to, what to say and how the packaging looks I suppose the challenge is changing consumer behaviour in that respect yeah. is changing their association with a with an energy drink so it's true when you say energy drink to me I would think Red Bull I would think University Freshers yeah. Week yeah. those aren't necessarily vodka. good vodka yeah. not good associations so yeah. changing that, that habit yeah um, well, the other thing I wanted to ask was on the kind of budget financial side of things. So um, with launching the product, did you take investment? Um, how did you structure it financially? Um, so my, I'm, I'm in a lucky position that my wife has a job. Um, as we always had a kind of dual uh, careers, essentially. Um, but we'd moved to the UK for my job. So I had the kind of the housing allowance and stuff stuck to that, you know, all mm-hmm. kind of, you know, expat allowances which obviously if you come from I'm, I'm from Holland originally um, the houses are way more expensive in London as you, as you know mm. um, so my first kind of when I decided I want to do this the first person I had to convince of course was my wife <laughs> so that's where it started mm. and um, and she's also marketing and we've got we got we got two kids we got twins so they were kind of five at the time um, you know so I had to kind of if, present to her and I said and she literally I said give me a month and I, pre- I looked at all our financial situation mm. and said, look, you know, I like to, I literally presented to her. <laughs> so on the one hand is like, I started with the cons, I started with the financial situation and I said, look, we're going to have to move house. You know, we had to kind of, you know, we had a little garden. After that, we didn't have a garden anymore. Kids had to go in the same uh, room, you know, so I had to mm. kind of find out what kind of house we could get for the price we could afford just on her salary. Mm. Um, and then secondly, I presented the concept to her. I like how you went to your wife like an investor me. So. Well, yeah, it is. But the thing is, you need, you need, obviously. If she's going to support, yeah. You need the support because, yeah, it is, you know, at the end of the day, we're not, because she's got a nice, great job. And, you know, it's not that we were in a bad place. But at the end of the day, if, you, if, if your salary goes from, let's say, 100% back to 40 mm. or 35, that's a big hit, you know. Mm. Uh, so it's like, you know, we, we had to kind of, you know, adjust our whole lifestyle. Um, but you know, and, and we did, and um, uh, yeah, she basically saw the presentation. And she said, "This could work." I remember those were her words. Yeah, <laughs> and then we did it, and then uh, moved house, and kind of you know didn't spend any money on other stuff for a long time. And then um, uh, so that's how it started. Then and then secondly, I then started looking for funding as well. Mm. Um, but I had one person, a really nice person, but he, he they offered like they wanted like. Uh, they offered six hundred thousand pounds for fifty five percent of the business, wow. and I'm like, well, you know, it's not a bad valuation. It was just a PowerPoint presentation at the time. I don't think he even had the word tensing yet. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I thought I'm not going to give away fifty five percent of my business. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot, you know. And I didn't think he was also quite new to the, the kind of investing, and I didn't think he, that's not a clever. So if he would have offered, let's say, twenty percent for a lower, I probably would have done it. Mm. But that kind of inspired me and go, Look, I don't want to take any funding at this point. Um, so what I did, so I did actually. So I wrote a book called The Social Brand. I did that really well back, and then I, I republished it on my own name because I did it anonymously. And then, um, and then I started doing speaking jobs 
on that uh, uh, on, on marketing and entrepreneurship and uh, the money I made there I put into uh, into Tenzing so that's kind of that kind of helped fund the cash flow and we just keep, get everything very very cheap so I didn't take a salary we, we worked in a hotel you know, tell lobby in Citizen M, uh, where we were available. And I said, "Ours is okay that we did work here, and they were fine with that." Mm. So basically, no office for about two and a half years. Mm. So no office, very low overhead costs. We were only like two, three of us uh, from the start, and then uh, yeah. So keeping the overheads really low. And the thing is, it doesn't cost a lot per se mm. to launch a drink because if you do well, you get a lot of kind of people on board that believe in the mission. Like developing the product, developing the brand. Actually, the biggest cost is buying. In the stock. Mm. So if we could like somehow fund that by the kind of my, my other jobs my, uh, I was doing, we could kind of keep on going for a long, long time. And we started selling reasonably well from the beginning and therefore that funded. Um, and then we've only just kind of landed our first kind of funding round. That, okay, so you yeah. didn't take any internal, uh, external investment for a while? No, no nothing, no. It sounds like you had a very lean approach to it all, just doing everything on a very kind of minimal basis in terms of overheads. Yeah, exactly. There's very, I mean, very different approaches, but I think I would, you know, if I, I always love reading kind of biographies of like, you know, Shoe Dog, was an mm. amazing book. Did you read mm. it? I haven't read it, but uh, it's, I've a, it's a really, it. really good book. And he also like, you know, so so many. He was like an accountant for ten years, uh, and next to doing in launching Nike, mm. you know. So I think, and I think that's the interesting bit is like you know what I said before about commitment. Mm. So I think you got to be committed, as in I'm going to do everything to make this happen, really hundred percent commit to it. But I don't think it's wise to basically let every other source of income go before you launch a business mm. or during, because it's so beneficial to kind of have a sense of an income that you don't have to, because the otherwise, so again, when you then find funding, you're not 100% dependent on it. I've seen a lot of fellow startups and their money runs out, they need funding at that point. Mm. And then you're obviously with it back against the wall and, you know. Yeah, so maybe like holding out a little bit until you oh, yeah. really, really need the investment or yeah, it can really I benefit would, you. I would, I would. Uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, and it also makes you a lot more smart about kind of where do you money, where do you spend your money, where don't you? Like, if you get money, and, and the thing is, in the beginning, you make so much mistakes. Mm. So rather make those low budget mistakes than if you get a lot of money and you probably make those mistakes as well. But then mm. you spend more money on them, right? Yeah. So I, I believe in that kind of philosophy a lot, and it works really well for us. Uh, yeah, just keep it really. Also, really your valuation changes, so you can get you can yeah. give away less equity for the same yeah, money. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because you don't. We didn't need the money at the point. We were like, you know, we could say, look, you know, we were already kind of you know we weren't we were kind of even making a tiny bit of profit you know obviously we weren't spending a lot mm. but um you know so we just really didn't need the money uh, so that yeah that obviously it gives a whole different kind of uh, yeah starting point what are some of the big um like lessons that you've learned along the way with building tensing just the things that you've learned as an entrepreneur um so what i think is so important and uh i, I is the kind of is the product you know i think it's very, you know, you've got this whole start with why and all that kind of stuff. Mm. I just really don't believe in that. Mm. It's like, you know, every, the number one fail, failures of, of startups is that your product doesn't meet a need. Mm. It's as simple as that. Mm. It's not the team. It's not the budgeting. It's not the, not the finance, the cash flow. The number one reason people fail is your product doesn't fulfill a need. Mm. You know, and I think that is very over, uh, it's underestimated. I get so much, I get people, I do like these talks or meet people and they go, I've got this new idea and it's about changing the way, blah, blah, blah. And I say, what's the product? Oh, I don't have one yet. Like, let's read, I get that a lot. Really? And it's just like, you, if you don't, if you haven't got your product nailed mm. uh, and you've tested it somehow. So one of the things I did actually, when I, I had the meeting, well, meeting sounds bad, I had the, my, the, the session with my wife and she said, yes. The first, I remember I was sitting down at home and what I did, I, I Googled 
mistakes entrepreneurs make when launching their business. That's the first thing I did. Mm. And I came up with this really amazing Harvard Business Review article. And it said, it said this as well. And it said, like, you know, you have to have a market need. And to find that, go to the markets soon. So go to your buyers. So, so in my case, that would be, you know, the I wanted to launch in universities and gyms and, and, and like, you know, uh, health chains. Um, so I went, or in offices. So I found, I went to uh, the Google head office. I got a meeting through friends. I went to King's College. I just, you know, contacted them. And I got a pod at the time. And I got like a small gym. And I went to them. I had my little like first flavors, and there's four different flavors, and loads of different designs. And I just went to them, and that's because that's what that article said as well. So it was it was really interesting because it was a mix of people that didn't make it and that did. Mm. And they all said the same. You know, the ones that didn't make it, I think you can learn most from actually, because mm. they always said like, I just didn't, I didn't get a good sense of would this product actually sell, and would people pay money for this? And going to your family and friends is like a bad idea, right? Because yeah, because they're going to say positive. They're going to say right? positive things, or they're going to. Even if they say negative things, you're going to think, well, it's because my brother doesn't like me or whatever, you know, like, or he does, you know. So I think, I think, so getting, going to markets and finding out if there's a concept there. Mm. And the good thing about that is, is that you get buy-in. So you go, hey, these are my different flavors. What do you like? And uh, what, what do you think of the design? And then they go, oh, I just don't think the design works. Well, and I changed the design and I could go back to, let's say, Google or uh, Pod. And I said, look, thanks a lot because I changed the design because of your feedback. So mm. it becomes their, their baby as well. And, I, and so when I launched, I launched immediately in those channels. And basically, actually, and then I thought this is so easy, but those are f- roughly my first, uh, it took me about half a year to get more channels in. Mm. You know? Yeah, so you got those initial ones. You got, and then you get your initial ones. So I would, looking back, I would have even gone bigger on that. I would have got more meetings in mm. at that point because you probably because you really get that sense of co ownership and it's true because they do give you feedback. Mm. And now, how I, did you get those meetings? It was all again network, mm. reaching out, reaching out to people. Do I knew, I knew someone at YouTube um, that I'd worked with previously, uh, but the pod was literally a friend of mine and his brother had worked with Coke and and <laughs> I literally it's, sometimes it goes like you just think who would know someone. And then you go to that person. They don't know someone, but they might know one who does. And sometimes I had to go back, and there was like four, four uh, like cups of coffee before, and that was oh, it was that person who got me into pod, you know. Mm. Uh, so it's really, it's really interesting. And that, that, yeah, just and then just uh, so that that was one of my key. That's I think would be my first key thing that everyone should do. Like make sure you nail the products because you can. I mean, I see around me a lot of people. Kind of obviously, the trends are not that difficult to see, mm. right? Like we were just saying. Yeah. Everyone can pick up on health is important, energy yeah. is important. Mm-hmm. But like getting that concept then exactly right is all about the product and how does it look and how does it taste. And, and I think getting that right is something that you've got to really be uh, put a lot of effort in. And then from there, how did you find the right people to hire to bring into your team? Um, so again, um, do you know Ugly, Ugly Drinks? Yeah. Yeah, so it's quite interesting. So the hue from Ugly... He actually read my book. He did a really clever thing. He's, they know as well the power of networks. So he read my book. He he's, tw- a, he's a big networker. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Everyone knows you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and he's very good at it. So he, 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 he read my book. He tweeted about my book. Yeah. He said, this is a very good read. And as you know, no one can deny a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, hey, you, great. And, and I, so I met him after that. And funny enough, they were just kind of going through that first struggle where their product, something went off on their product. Yeah. So they had to relaunch. Um, and then... The expiry date was wrong and there was yeah, something like there that. Yeah, things like that. Yeah. This, they say, what, what do they say? It's like, you know, the journey is a struggle or whatever. And, uh, you know, they, they went to, like all of us went through all those phases. And their, their bad luck was my luck, essentially, because 
um, I could then I worked with Joe mainly. Joe's mm-hmm. the, uh, the co-founder, and he he worked for Fights Coco for about four years. So he knew because I my whole background was not in sales. Mm-hmm. So um, he he really helped me out with kind of um, finding the right you know not finding the right people, but also getting into like the key. Uh, you know, just helping me with the whole foundation of the sales. Uh, so that was, I really speak to him a lot still. Uh, so that was kind of a starting point. That's Again, really nice because they're doing your similar, you know, a similar product. Yeah, I feel, we had another, we had a, we, uh, we organized about a month ago, we organized our first Tenzing BYOB event. So it's bring your own brand. So everyone came to where we've got a base camp and we've called our office now. We have an office. And we just had all kind of, there was a lot of like Fitch Brew, Ugly, uh, I can make an extra then, but Watermelon, like loads of, you know, uh, similar mm. but I think we all feel that it's just us against the big guys mm. so there's a lot and I really love that that's what I love as well uh, going from a big company to like a startup is that there's a lot of you know, everyone, there's, there's a world out there that you're not even aware of and, uh, and everyone helps each other so they so they helped you with the sales and they helped you bring people in as well. To yeah, so they sales. got so I had some advice around people and I got like my first ever. Uh, then I actually got as well one of. The, so then I just got a couple of people in and they're still. So Jack was my first uh, um, uh, first guy in Team Tenzing, uh, and he he's been there from the beginning. And then, and then Garen was, and then I did a talk at King's College. Uh, and then I got Garen, who's like our you know, another guy who works in our sales team, is very good. And uh, those were like our first two people. Uh, and then we just we were just the three of us for a long time. And then we slowly built the team. What, uh, what do you think is the most important hire to make as a, when you're starting a company? Um, that really depends. At the end of the day, again, so I think if you think about that product concept, your expertise. If you launch a, a brand. Um, should really be about you should be, be you should know what it takes to build that specific product mm. you know and it's not a surprise that let's say if you look at the Rafa founder you know he was in advertising you know uh, Cassandra from you know, Propercorn was in advertising you mm. know so it's people that get like concepts mm. and, you know can bring them to life uh, so I think, but if you're if you want to create an app or a, you know I, I hear a lot of people that have a great app idea or a great platform, but they can't actually build it. Then it's you can't. Mm. It's the classic Facebook. You know mm. these two guys came up with the concept, but they couldn't build the product. And, you know, and Mark did, and you know yeah. created Facebook. You know, so yeah. I think you the, the 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 founder or the founding team has to be able, has to know what it takes to build that actual mm. product and brand. Yeah, it doesn't um, need to be, I suppose, necessarily an understanding of the industry, but just the skills that you need to bring up, bring whatever it is to life. Yeah, exactly. And whether that's a digital product or a drink or whatever, exactly. You don't have to have, but I think you have to have that kind of, you know, if you don't, and, and if you don't have it, so then, you know, coming back to your hiring, you've got to, like, build that team around you. So I... Uh, obviously, I needed more people because you know sales is absolutely crucial. Because the thing is, you can you know we d- we don't sell online; it's all on impulse product, right? You need an uplift, and you go into like a, a Tesco, or Whole Foods, or Sainsbury's to get to get one. Um, so yeah, for us, it was really kind of getting that perfect sales team on board. And those I've got, we've got a really amazing team now. So those would be your first key hires in my in my mm. case. Mm. But I can imagine it's more it's more like compensating. So you know you got to be able to do the key thing. The team's got to be, and then after that, yeah, compensating what you're not good at. I think. Mm. So that's. Uh, what do you think is the hardest thing about running your own business? It really depends what phase. You know, if you talk about actual the beginning, it's just the the the, the mental 
toughness of it, the resilience. And I think, you know, if you, again, like, like I said, I read like Shoe Dog and you read like, you know, Losing My Virginity from uh, Richard Branson and they all tell you it's tough, mm. but you always read it from a, oh, that's romantic kind of tough. I'd take that tough any day, you know, mm. but when you're in it and you're doing it, uh, it's, it's very, very tough mm. because it's constantly, like I was saying with the Selfridge example, it's not that I was... You know, I understand that he doesn't want Tenzing per se. It's not that I go, oh my God, what's, what's, a, you know, why would, he's got so much stuff that he, got, he gets bothered every day, you know, all those buyers. And, but it's more like from, you look at it from my my perspective, like, will it work? Mm-hmm. You know, I've that self doubt. Yeah, that uh, you put everything on the line, uh, you know, is it going to work? You know, and then just not getting any replies, getting people to say no, you know, people that kick you out in the beginning, it's not going fast enough. Uh, so that kind of mental resilience, you know, that kind Kind of just keep going no matter what that is the, the that's probably the toughest um, and what do you think is the best thing about running your own business uh, so yeah i'd just say just the, the, the freedom mm-hmm. so it's, it's the reason it's actually i would say it's one of the key reasons i started so i i was kind of i was kind of tired of, so it's that kind of you know if, if you work for a when you start your your career and you go uh god i want to, i'd love to be the marketing director or whatever the freedom that that guy must have or that woman must have to be there at the top and but the funny enough it's it's a it's a massive illusion mm. so the, the higher up you get the more politics and the more you know because you if you're looking you know from a, a junior and you're looking up and you think they've got all this but it's not so it's actually you know you get, the, the higher up you get the more politics there are more mm. people telling you what to do and i just kind of you know just I, I've, I've never been very good with bosses um so you know although i had a lot of great bosses you know it's nothing to do with personal but just like, I just like to be able to, to you know, do my own thing. Yeah, that freedom. That freedom. And also, that I also remember when I started my business, I was also really keen on, so that I didn't want to be the only one who benefited, so that like I'm the only one who can, you know, and then I'll tell the other people to. So we've got a really strict non-hierarchy organization, mm. and we're still kind of constantly figuring out how it works, but we, there's no bosses, there's no kind of you know, hierarchy structure. Mm. So, for instance, we've got something that we call like... Um, commitment coaches so everyone has their own coach within the company that helps them with their commitment uh, but there's no kind of uh, yeah telling people what mm, to do that's you have to senior re- junior no no no, no. Um, and it really works quite well as well because the, otherwise you get like people that are in earlier and then people come in later could be more uh, more senior than that person and then they, you know there could be frustration as well like you know oh but I was here before and I think you know and really what also it shows it shows like true leadership within the company so there's people you know that can really show that even if they're really young mm. um well, it's like, you know, you were there first and you're the boss now or whatever, you know. Mm. So uh, that that's something, you know, and it's, it's not per se easy because it's like, you know, because we're, we're so used to building, working in that kind of structured way. Mm. Um, but that would be my, the main thing I love. And now also, you know, we're a team of about, you know, 12, 12 people just, you know, being with the team. We've got a really amazing team. You know, being having that also total freedom to kind of, you know, decide on the people that you want to have on board and having, you know, I think that is also, yeah, just really, really cool. And also, what, what actually, there's also another thing that's really nice. We just did a big, I don't know if you saw in London, we did a big campaign in September. We were out of home. and um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, and the cool thing there is, and that's also what I want you just to kind of see what you're capable of. If you launch a brand or launch a business, you, you will actually know what you're capable of. Mm. Because if you're in a big company... You know, would Red Bull have been any smaller if I, if I hadn't been there? You know? mm, yeah. Probably not. It doesn't you know? challenge you in that way. Well, it's, you don't really see an effect because mm. these big, these companies are so big. You know, I remember when we did like, you know, when, when the, you know, these massive events like Red Bull Stratos happened, you know, mm. and it was like, um, you hardly saw any impact in sales. Mm. 
And now we did this campaign uh, and we, our sales doubled in London. Really? So it's super satisfying to be working for something that you're, you're doing something or the team is, is doing something. So it's, it's not just me, right? It's the whole team. It's very satisfying because you do something and you just see an effect immediately. Mm. Well, you know, in big companies, it's always like, well, yeah, you did that marketing campaign, but we also did a price off at the same time. So, mm. you know, that wasn't the marketing campaign. It was the price off that we did or the operation. Yeah, and it was the new can we had. Or, you know, so there's all these claiming and the companies, whatever, mm. and all politics. And, you know, it'll be, it'll be challenged you know, if we go big and when we go big that, you know, that, that, that doesn't creep really in. But, you know, now it's like super satisfying to see the, the effects of what you do. Yeah, yeah. incredible. And what's, uh, what's next for Tenzing? What's in the pipeline for you guys? Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer in focus. So I think, you know, London is the, our key area to kind of crack still. You know, we've only just begun, um, you know, so I think getting London, you know, to move to a healthy alternative would be an amazing challenge. You know, it's a, it's a big market already, London. You know, if you think if you if you look at, let's say, kind of if you look, if you would like see the energy drink space as your market, then London is one of the biggest places in the world. You know, so, you know, if, if we can make it here, we can make it anywhere. I think, you know, that's also, so, um, so yeah, just, just focus on London first and getting some, like some key countries in maybe that we start, but it's more like a, more to kind of, you know, seed the products out. So it's really London and then the rest of the UK and then kind of slowly seeing what other countries, you know, like a country, like sometimes it does have to be like a closer country sometimes can be less relevant than a further away one. Like Australia is a typical, you know, a country where there's a lot of health, a lot mm. of an outdoor, a very healthy lifestyle. So we could potentially, you know, do well there. But, you know, so we're, but that's all very early stages. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me. If people would like to find out more about the company or follow you on social media, where, where can they find you? Uh, on, uh, on Instagram, it's just Tenzing. Um, and on, uh, on our website, it's uh, uh, TenzingNaturalEnergy.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Mm-hmm. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, then don't forget to subscribe, rate and review so more people can find the show. And if you're feeling inspired and thinking of pursuing a creative project of your own, then there's a home for you at Work Life. You can find out more at work.life. been a candy store production for work life hosted by angelica malin and produced by van connor t-shirt weather by poddington bear appears under creative commons 3.0 with podcast recording facilities in partnership with work life visit work.life for more information you can find us at candystoreproductions.co.uk a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.